Welcome back to Becoming Next on Scene, everybody. It is your host, Jackie Zuck. I am so excited to be here with a new, amazing, inspiring guest, especially with a topic that is so hot on the market right now as we head into springtime. We're thinking about nicer weather and, of course, real estate properties. So I am so excited to have my amazing friend, my amazing client. This rock star has been crushing it in real estate with $20 million in sales last year, um, Ali Joyce. Ali Joyce is a... Um, real estate agent with Jack Conway, and she has been doing this for three years, and it has just been such an honor to know her, see her continue to thrive, and if you are looking for an amazing real estate agent, even if you are not local to Mass, she does refer business outside of it. So definitely, I'm so excited to share that she will be on today. So all you need to know is if you don't know Allie Joyce, she's somebody you need to know. So, so excited to have this rock star on. Stay tuned for the amazing Allie Joyce. The ups, the downs, and all the in-between. What it takes to become next on scene. Are you next? Follow us at Next On Scene. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Becoming Next On Scene. I am so excited to have the amazing real estate agent with Jack Conway, Allie Joyce, on the line. Hi, Allie. How are you today? Hi, Jackie. I'm good. How are you? Good. I am so excited to have you a part of Next On Scene's podcast. I'm so excited. You are just killing it in life, so mm-hmm. I'm just so honored to have you on. Um, so are you, and I'm honored to be on it. So awesome. I love listening to the podcast, so it's cool that I get to be on it this time. Thank you, girl power. So let's talk about like what inspired Absolutely. you to become a real estate agent. How did you fall into that realm? So it's a long story, but I'll try and keep it short and sweet. So believe it or not, I always kind of had the bug for real estate. I always joke that it was in my blood. My parents, when we were on vacation, we would pop into open houses. And my great-grandmother, when she came over here from Lebanon, they really established themselves financially by buying property in the city and were always landlords. So I grew up hearing about that. And I always knew that I was obviously a very old soul as a child, because <laughs> I knew as a kid that I wanted to own property, especially when I wanted to have my own children so that I was managing investment property um, and contributing financially to the household while also being able to spend time raising my kids because my mother um, was able to be at home with us and we had a really beautiful childhood because of it. Now, of course, like no judgment on whatever other people have experienced and that probably won't be my reality now. But the point is, is this was always a part of my greater plan, even as a kid, strangely. And when I originally got my real estate license to actually just transact on my own behalf as an investor, and I ended up falling into the business, taking on a few clients and just loving it so much more than my corporate job. I was in financial sales and was actually in an upward trajectory there. And I just uh, really didn't like working for the corporate man, as I like to call it. And um, I decided to take the plunge 
And I never looked back. It was the best decision that I ever made. I mean, clearly, I mean, $20 million in sales is so astonishing, like so proud of you. So what do you feel, you know, with so many real estates, real estate agents out there sets you apart? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, there are a ton of real estate agents out there and um, some of them are really great and I get the opportunity to work with them and some of them are not so great. <laughs> a lot uh, of what... <laughs> I mean, whatever, I mean, we're I being open here. Everything, right? Yeah, exactly. We're being open here. I know, totally right? fine. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you know me, Jackie. I don't like sugarcoat stuff. So um, I would say what differentiates me is uh, I have a little bit more of a sophisticated sales approach. Um, I'm much more client oriented and consultative. Um, I also have the financial side of things where it's really important for me that my clients don't overpay for things. And it's really challenging in this market to not get caught up in these bidding wars um, and to not make, unfortunately, you know, stupid decisions that could hurt you going forward. Because Real estate is so many things. It's your home. Um, it's it's an emotional transaction, but it's also a wealth starter for you. And it's really important that you respect the integrity of that. So I would say I'm very kind of investment-minded and financially savvy and um, am very honest with my clients. So I can tell you how to win a property uh, in a bidding war, but that might not necessarily set you up for success. Right. Uh, the other side of that is I have a psychology background, which really helps me in terms of negotiating with the other side. Um, negotiations are truly an art and I'm constantly tweaking my style and one style doesn't work for every single person and every single deal. Um, but I've had a lot of success in my negotiation styles and able to um, benefit my clients in that way. So I would say probably those two ends of the spectrum would be the financial experience that I have and the investment mindset and then also um, the emotional uh, intelligence side, both with negotiations and you know, shepherding the client through the process because it can be really stressful. Totally. You make it come full circle, basically. Yeah, I, I try mean, at least. I mean, I um, think you do. I mean, too. I know, but I, I think you do. And you're just an amazing person. So I think even just when people meet you within your energy realm, they're just like, oh my God, I need to work with Allie. You know, you're so awesome. Oh, Yo, well, so I mean much. that. Well, I, totally I feel the that. same way with you. <laughs> we just um, had an instant bond, Allie. You. We just had an instant bond. We totally did. I know. We totally did. One of a kind. Um, okay, so that ties into my next I question. Know. So why is it important to hire a real estate agent? So there's, there's so many reasons and depends what side of the equation you're on. First of all, which is really nice, is uh, the seller pays for the real estate agent. So as a buyer, an agent is completely free to you. So you get this resource um, and, and, it's, and you don't pay for it at all. Um, and I would say, I, I think what happens, and it goes back to what we were saying before, is that there are a lot of real estate agents there and not all of them are full-time and not all of them have the experience or have a style that suits you. Um, and perhaps, you know, my style might not suit everyone. So interview, I always tell people, because I do a lot of homebuyer seminars, interview the agents. This is a serious job and you're hiring someone. And if they don't work for you, don't feel like they're working for you, then you move on to the next person. You know, I mean, this is a competitive business. And as an agent, you need to add value. And if you're not doing that, 
then you don't get the business and that's how it should be. So for a buyer, um, what's really important is the agent needs to be, have obviously a really strong pulse on the market um, and multiple markets, in my opinion. So I do greater Boston and Boston and then kind of the surrounding burbs. I would say I do probably the most in Norfolk, Suffolk, Middlesex, talking about counties, um, and then some even in uh, Plymouth County as well. So if, because what happens is someone will sometimes have, they'll be like, well, I really want to live in Westwood, but their budget is 500K. Well, unfortunately, that's really challenging. You're probably not going to be able to buy in Westwood um, if that's truly your, your max budget. Um, but I often direct clients to a different town. Like, for example, a lot of people don't realize that Dedham is investing in their school systems. And it's not, uh, you know, depending on what area of Dedham, you can get a more entry-level price point. And you're going to reap the benefit of the superintendent who used to be the superintendent of Winchester, um, who's now investing in the Dedham schools. So it's important to help your clients navigate in that way in order to maximize their budget. And if you're not doing this every single day, you're not in this market, then you then how would you know that? Um, <clears throat> the other side is definitely in terms of negotiations and offer strategy. Um, so the offer strategy, particularly in bidding words, you, you just have to be really smart about it. Um, and you have to weigh the balance of not overpaying for a property that's going to hurt you potentially financially down the road, or at least not help you advance as much as you could. Um, and then also putting your best foot forward if it's truly the perfect property for you. Um, so that's really important. And then once you get the offer accepted, a lot of people don't realize the work has just begun. <laughs> you know, uh, there's so much more to keeping that transaction in line. A lot of it, um, a lot of what I do from that standpoint is, uh, you know, at the purchase and sale, there's additional negotiation. If the appraisal doesn't come in, there's additional negotiation. Um, and dealing with all the parties involved, the attorney, the lender, clients who work with me, it, it feels like a stress-free, really easy experience because I'm dealing with all this back-end things, making sure that that's the case. Um, and also you do this for a living, so like it's much easier yeah. for you to know the ins and outs with somebody coming in not knowing totally. what to do from like step one, I feel like, right? So exactly like I am completely in it. Like I have some clients who have, um, you know, they have a two year old and they can't go on showings that much. So I'm running around previewing property for them. And I'm also using uh, my network with agents and my own pipeline of sellers to try and find off market property for them as well. Um, because if you can avoid the competition, if we can just do a private sale that's off market, that's usually best for everyone, right. you know? Um, so, so, so that's obviously hugely important. And, you know, you want to be an agent who plays nice with the other agents because you never know when you're on the other side of a deal with them. Right. Um, it's way too small of a business. And then for the sell side, that is so important to have a real estate agent. Um, if that property in this market because it's such a seller's market, if that property does not sell within the first two weeks or the first two open houses, you're not getting 
like you're in trouble. You're not getting asking for that property. That has to do with your exposure to as many buyers as possible and your pricing. And if you get the pricing wrong, I mean, I just cannot tell people how screwed you will be. (laughs) I think people don't know any different, right? That's why you work with a real estate agent. Like people just assume they know. Well, it's so true. And Mm -hmm. I've had clients say to me, um, you know, well, why don't we just chance it? Why don't we just try putting it at, you know, 650 instead of 599 and see what happens? Because what happens is that you miss all the potential buyers who are whose max budget is 600, and they won't even look at your property. And then if it doesn't sell right away, because everyone's so accustomed to these properties flying off the market, going over asking, they immediately think something's wrong with it. And uh, you end up selling for even less than what the original recommended list price was. Um, another thing I like to do for sellers is, um, kind of take advantage of the market environment we're in, we're in and, um, market it before we put it on MLS. So that creates a lot of hype, um, and leverage that the buyers can use. Now, let's say in two years from now, and we're in more of a level market or a buyer's market, then, you know, you're, you're going to, your strategy is going to be different, but it's my job to know that and to advise my clients accordingly. Mm -hmm. Totally makes sense. Okay. So follow up on that question in terms of like when people are actually looking at different style homes, I mean, you know, this is like one of my favorite questions ever. Like what are the four (laughs) biggest seller type of style homes? Um, that's such a great question. Um, and it's one of my favorites too, because I love like different style homes and, Especially in New England, we just have such a rich history of architecture and uh, and the reason why people design the homes they are based on where they came from and, and their culture and all that stuff. So um, that is such a great question, and it's a bit of a loaded one. So because it depends on where you are, you have to if, – if, like, for example, let's say – you want to be in West Roxbury um, and the VFW Parkway area, Chestnut Hill um, area part of West Roxbury has tons of English tutors. And if that's where you want to be, you want one of those English tutors. They barely come on the market. They're gorgeous. Um, and it's keeping in the, in with the integrity of the um, of the homes in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So if you're in Dorchester in this one of my favorite neighborhoods called Carruth, um, which is close to Ashmont, kind of just a little subsect um, in between Ashmont and um, Village, and um, there you, it's Victorian, and it's the Victorians that are going to fly off the shelf. I'm actually looking at a Queen Anne Victorian, which means, usually it means it has like a turret and a farmer's porch um, in the front. And I mean, that's just going to fly off the shelf because people just go crazy for it. Mm -hmm. Um, In general, um, everyone loves a colonial. um, And I would say um, in terms of a most affordable home, you're thinking about a split level ranch. Those were built kind of in the turn of the century and you will you can recognize it in, instantly it's it's kind of like short and wide and when you go into the entrance there's two sets of stairs one going down 
to a living area that's kind of garden level, semi-basement, and then one going up to an additional living area. Um, then probably the next least expensive would be like a ranch, which is just one level. And then you're looking at a cape, which is when you have um, just a cute little house with a pitched roof. And usually you have eaves in the bedrooms upstairs, which limits your space. And, and that's why sometimes they're a little bit more affordable. But um, colonials are always kind of a... Um, are always a surefire win in this area. Um, and what about um, multifamilies? Yeah, what about multifamilies? Can you talk about that a little bit? I feel yeah. like people use that a lot for investing. Totally multifamilies. So, and they come in all different sizes. Um, so for a multifamily, uh, I bought a multifamily, I bought a two family and uh, it's interesting because I bought this property as a stepping stone in my investment strategy to stay here a little longer and to reduce my cost of living to be able to save more and invest more. Um, I live in a two family that's called a four square. What's nice about the four squares is that they really maximize space. So with a smaller square footage, you're going to squeeze out more bedrooms. Um, the negative part about that is you basically don't have any hallway and there's just tons of doors everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a good, in, it, it works really well as a rental because you want to maximize your bedrooms because that helps you maximize your rent. Now you want to maximize your bedrooms up to a certain point because once you have more than three bedrooms, then you're actually, you have too much economy of scale and you're actually get going to get a little bit less per bedroom than you would. I would say when it comes to two family, when it comes to multifamilies in the Boston area, three families are great for investments. A two or three beds, um, one bath are probably ideal for you to get the most out of what you're purchasing. Um, even just if it's just two bed, one bath, those are just awesome rentals because you have the biggest market for right. it. Right. That makes a lot um, of sense. Definitely. And then what would you say, too, about condos? Condos are, are great. That was my first entry-level property. I think a lot of people buy that as their first property because you, yeah, you have, like, you with your condo fee and the other members, you're having someone help you buy um, or help you with all the um, maintenance costs and, and any, you know, exterior renovation. So a lot of people like to have those. They're great if you want to stay in them for a few years, ride this wonderful equity wave we have in the city, sell them and invest it into your next property or keep it as a rental. Um, there are, we're seeing in Boston, I would say most people I work with, um, prefer the multifamilies that have been converted into condos. So it's a small, maybe it's a three-family that was made into three condos. You have a lower condo fee. It has a little bit more of a homey feel to it, but it has no amenities. Um, And you usually have a lower condo fee. So in some of these newer buildings where there's a gym and maybe there's workspace um, and maybe a common uh, entertaining space you can rent out, um, they have a little bit more of an apartment feel for them, which is just up to, you know, up, up your personal preference if you like that or not. And their condo fees are much higher. Right. So, for example, some of the, you know, luxury ones that we're seeing come up 
in the seaport in South Boston and South and South and the condo fees are as much as a thousand dollars a month. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's insane. Um, and that works for some people, you know, um, anytime there's an elevator in a building, I mean, the, the price fee, goes up. Yeah. I'm assuming it's totally. <laughs> yeah. It's so, I didn't realize like elevators are a business into themselves. I was getting drinks with someone a couple of years ago and we bumped into an elevator maintenance convention. Like all <laughs> these people did was just maintain elevators. And <laughs> it made a lot of sense why any building that has an elevator is super expensive to, for the condo fees. Right. Well, I mean, it's also more easily accessible than stairs. People way prefer to take the elevator totally. over the stairs. Like, let's be honest here. I know. <laughs> Oh, my God. That's hysterical. Oh, my God. It's so true. So funny. As someone who's lived in, like, a third floor walk-up for seven years, like, yeah, elevators are pretty nice. Yeah, totally. Especially with groceries. Right. Okay, so let's talk about, like, your work-life balance because as a real estate agent, like, I feel like you always got to be on. So let's talk about how you balance yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm working on it. <laughs> um, I would say that's probably one of my goals for this year. Um, I mean, part of my value is being available all the time. Totally. And I love what I do. And I always tell my clients uh, when we start working together, I'm like, don't be shy about reaching out to me whenever I signed up for this with my eyes wide open because... I'm working when my clients aren't, I'm working when my clients are working, doing, you know, whatever I'm research, showing, whatever. And I'm working when my clients aren't working so we can see property and we can debrief and all that stuff. And um, it's the name of the game and I love what I do. But I would say a um, couple of things I'm trying to do this year. Like, for example, I usually do a lot of stuff at night and, I am a baby and I need my sleep. So I'm trying to at least reserve one or two nights during the week where I don't have like a networking meeting or I don't have a showing. And I'm lucky I um, have an assistant and I'm starting to delegate more things to her. I like to be there for everything. Like I like to be there for the home inspection. Uh, a lot of agents will delegate that, but I kind of need to see what, in my opinion, what's going on in terms of negotiating for the PNS and totally. then also, you know, God forbid, like I've been at home inspections and I've said, don't buy this. Right. You know, I mean, we went to a home inspection where there was enough, <laughs> there was like a foundation missing <laughs> under part of the house. Oh and my like, God. Okay. And that's oh, why you do like, home inspections, right guys? That's why we do home Absolutely. inspections. A hundred percent. That's why you have a home inspection. You hope if you love the property that everything's okay, but you know, there's a reason for it. Totally. So, um, yeah, I try to, I guess like I try to work out at least three times a week, like for my mental health and physical health. And then, like I said, I try to like be in bed by 10 and do a lot of like, my mindset is just so important to my success because mm -hmm. half of what I do is like sometimes therapy, right. you know, for other people. And that's a part of the gig. And so, but for me to be my best self, I have to, you know, make sure that like I'll, I'm taking care of myself, like mentally and spiritually. So I always have kind of a little 
routine in the morning to get myself in the right headspace for the day. Totally. I mean, I even and remember when we successful. when we first met, you were even telling me you were like, I really believe yeah. one of the keys to success is doing like energy work, healing work. So, and I'm totally about that too because I feel like you need that time and space for yourself. Totally. Honestly, it's so true. And if I don't have, like I always, like people will say to me, um, what's the key to your success? And I always say affirmations and I'm half kidding, depending who I'm talking to. But I'm <laughs> I mean, I'm all about it. it. I'm all about it. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like it's just funny, depending who, who hears you, they're like, no, really. And I'm like, mm. like that's it. So funny. So funny. But yeah, it's so important. No, it totally is. So, okay, let's talk about some fun stuff. So what are some personal goals you have for yourself? And what do you love to do in your free time when you aren't working outside of working out and affirmations, like stuff to do, that you do with your husband or <laughs> Jaja or whatever it is? Yes. <laughs> um. Okay, so personal goals. Um. Well, one day I, I would really love to like – live and own like a Victorian myself like I just love old homes so same much. here um, same here love them and I know just so much charm and history um and so that's something like I'm kind of working on is you know I have my sales real estate business and then I'm also would love to do some investing myself um and then things I like to do when I'm not working totally hang out with the husband and friends um I like to read a lot. Like I love historical fiction. Um, and, um, I also kind of have a creative side to me. And so I try to do like some artsy things. I mean, I have to, like, I know my limits. I'm not super skilled, <laughs> but like, for example, I love to like paint furniture. Like last year I totally, um, I redid this like, bedroom furniture that I have and made it like distressed I painted it and then made it look like it was distressed and I want to paint the secretary desk I have and then I, I mean you of, painted I your chandelier too yes I was gonna say like, <laughs> and I do crazy things for like I'll have an idea like the chandelier was up and I was like hmm I'm gonna make this look like it was patina copper like <laughs> while it's up like probably like not my best idea but yeah, my latest little thing that I'm trying to do is like palette knife painting. So that's cool. It's, it's cool. It's super cool. Of course, like YouTube videos make it look so much easier. Right. But like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, I can totally do this. And like, I try and I'm like, huh, this does not look the same, but it's fun, you know? Uh, so definitely some of my little artsy projects. I love them. And then what would you say, um, before we play some game time, I have two more questions. So what are some trends for the real estate market right now? Like what should people know about specifically for this market for the next, you know, couple months? Yeah, definitely. So it's interesting. Um, and this is the case when I was in finance too, like in terms of like the global stock market. I mean, we're just so much more connected than we once were. And a lot of that has to do with the transfer of communi- of, of information. So for example, with um, the coronavirus, rates have gone down. You're kidding. So we're kind of wait. 
yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm absolutely not. So, like, global strife is awesome for rates. I have a sick joke with some of my lenders. We're like, well, if uh, if World War Three happens, at least rates will go down. Oh, my <laughs> so God. Like, um, and it, so it, it's crazy. Um, so we're waiting. Like, everyone is kind of waiting for the ball to drop because we've been in this bull market for so long, and yet, there are these factors that are preventing that from happening. So what I'm seeing and what I'm anticipating is that the market will level a little bit. It's always, particularly in Boston proper and in any surrounding area, it's always going to be skewed a little bit more towards the sellers because um, there's so much, so many new companies coming into Boston and we're lucky that we have a diversified economy across pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies. Um, you know, we used to be an insurance mecca, a little bit less so, but we used to be the mutual fund capital of the United States. Uh, we still have a pretty good stronghold there. And then, of course, we have amazing hospitals and schools. So mm-hmm. we have a diversified economy and lots of different reasons for people to come to Boston. So I would say eventually, you know, rates are really good right now, probably going to tick up a little bit. Um, and we're seeing just a lot of uncertainty, both with buyers and with sellers. So in the short term, it's a great time, um, to be in the market, but I'm very curious to see how this spring market turns out because last spring market, um, particularly Boston proper was a little bit all over the place. Sometimes there'd be a property where there'd be a bidding war and other times, it wouldn't sell. Um, And I think what that tells me is that the market is starting to shift subtly and it's, and it's reconciling with itself. Um, So I would say that there's not going to be a big 08 or 06 type experience. It's probably going to be a little bit more subtle um, and we're starting to see it happen now. So that was a really long answer. I hope it was No, <laughs> it was good. My other so like from your experience, when are the best times to like to buy and to sell? Best times of the year. Yeah, so different. Okay. <laughs> um, which is funny. Like uh so and and there's two sides to every coin, right? Of course, so, of course. Um let's just talk hypothetically though from your experience. Hypothetically. Hypothetically, yeah. if you can buy in the winter, that's amazing. Because uh typically it's property that have been sitting on the market. Um the sellers are very motivated, they want to get out, and you tend to have less competition and more buying power. Mm-hmm. Um there is also less inventory. So often the challenge is you want to buy something, but you don't find something that you like. Um, and you're, you're going to find that more likely in the spring market. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a lot of other buyers out there. There's a higher chance for, um, for bidding wars. For sellers, it's always good if you can wait until spring. It also depends on the supply and demand characteristics in that market as well. So, for example, um, I have a listing coming up in JP. They need to find a place first. But their kitchen is older. Even though it's in great condition, it doesn't have a dishwasher. So right now, there are no two beds in the market at all um, in JP at our price point where we want to sell. And so, like, we would just 
I just know we would have so much activity um, because we don't have any competition. So standard is buy when it's cold, sell when it's warm, but there are unique situations in every case. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. That was really good insight, Allie. Thank you. Cool. So how can people book a consult with you and tell them about their amazing experience they get with you when they do that? So as you know, I always like to have my consults over a glass of wine, um, ideally at the Harvard Club because it's pretty and usually it's central for people. I would say reach out to me directly. Um, I'm very good via email and my cell is always best, which is um, 339-237-0783. And then I have a million email addresses, um, but they all go towards um, this one email address, which is adudleyrealtor at gmail.com. Um, and so also, you're really social media savvy, so tell everybody your social media oh, yes, channels. I am. <laughs> Thanks to you. <laughs> um, yes, I know. I'm start- So I have like an Alley the Agent um, private Facebook group, and that's where I will um, share some tips and um, starting to do not only tips, but also talk about, you know, properties I'm previewing um, and just share some information about the market. Yeah. Love it. You're so fantastic. Everybody definitely needs to follow Allie. So Allie, what is next for you? That's a great question. So (laughs) hopefully I had an amazing year last year and I hope to do as well, if not better. I'd love to get to the point where I'm doing 50 transactions a year and have a team under me, I think. Um, And I think I also, the investment side is really big too. You know, I want to start purchasing. My goal this year is to purchase an investment property and I'm actually going to be looking at one um, today and then I'm looking at another one to potentially flip, which isn't necessarily a game I would love to get into that game but it's hard in this market because you know margins are are so narrow but I think that's what's next for me that's freaking awesome exciting stuff okay are you ready (laughs) for game time (laughs) yes okay there's no like pressure with how how fast you have to answer them this is just a fun way for us to get to know you outside of your amazing job so what is Allie's favorite tv show charmed charmed oh my god I used to love that show (laughs) Oh my God! It's only yeah, on Netflix now, right? New, yeah, they, I think they created like a new version of it, which like I have to watch. But Charmed was like <laughs> always my guilty pleasure, especially when Shannon Doherty was like in it. Oh my God, same. I loved Alyssa Milano in that too, though. Oh yeah! Oh my God! I oh know. my God! Such a good show. What a yeah, great one! I ask this all the time. Nobody totally said that. Right. I love it. Okay, what is Allie's favorite <laughs> meal? Ah, uh, geez, that's hard. Um, I love French fries. Okay, French fries Can from where? Meal? I mean, okay, we'll pick two. We'll give you two options. So, French fries from where? <laughs> okay, um, okay, the steak fries specifically from um, Sea Point in South Boston. Oh Extra my god! Crispy. Okay, I have to check that out. And then, what <laughs> about? Okay, so outside of French fries, like full meal, what's your favorite go-to full meal? That's tough. Uh, what about like a burger? Okay, that's fine. Burger and fries. Burger perfect. And fries. That's that perfect. <laughs> that's yeah. perfect. Okay. I'm a simple gal. No, you're not. You're not simple. I mean, Sometimes. you're really. I, I, I'm like, 
I'm actually super extra. I love it. Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay, if you could have dinner with someone dead or alive you haven't met yet, who would it be and why? Um, a hundred percent Oprah Winfrey. Um, I think she is amazing and so inspirational and the way that she built her life. Um, and I know that she, well, I don't know this, but I feel like, but you do very spiritually. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like she's very like spiritually attuned and, um, like I would love to hear like what her practices are. Same here. I'm going to join you on that lunch date. That's all I'm saying. Okay, perfect. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm I'm inviting myself. I'm just putting it out there. Um, If you could wear only one outfit for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? From head to toe, shoes to the top. Okay, so totally um, uh, black jeans, black, like, top or sweater, and my leopard booties. Love them. And... I love, I like black and like kind of like a pop of like a pattern or a color. I just think it's an easy go-to, like I always call like my regular outfits, like my uniforms. Um, so I think it's like black is just really chic. And then when you kind of add like a little splash of something that that kind of adds the fun element to it. Totally. And those shoes surprisingly are very comfortable. They're so cute. You wore them at the photo shoot. Is that the same ones or different I ones? Know. I think they're same the same ones. ones. Yeah. yeah. So cute. Okay. Um, what is your next, you guys, you and David love to travel. So what's your next bucket list destination? Um, so I personally want to go to Egypt. Oh my God. Fancy schmancy. I love it. <laughs> so what is this inspiration so coming from? I just love like ancient history. I just, think it would be so incredible to see the pyramids um and I also like the idea of a trip where you can do some culture and some like R&R like at the beach or something or totally how far is that even by flight I feel like you could do both of that I have no idea. I'm like, so I need to look this up now I'm so Um, fascinated. We actually did look into it for the honeymoon but it wasn't going to be that warm at the time. And then, of course, like, South Africa, like, had a cold front when we were there. So, but um, David was like, uh, I think I'd rather not have, I'm like, oh, you have an armored guard with you, so it's super safe. And David <laughs> was like, I think I'd rather not have an armored guard with me on our honeymoon. I kind I'm of like, agree oh, with that. Sure. I think David was right. <laughs> what kind of privacy sure, would you have? <laughs> You'd have no privacy. Right, exactly. You'd have no privacy at all. Like, oh, my God. So funny. Me, David, and the guard. So funny. Okay, where out of all the places you've been to thus far, like, what has been your favorite? Um, absolutely South Africa. How far was, was that by flight? It gorgeous country. That was 20 hours. Damn, that's far. you can't <laughs> fly direct from Boston. I know, it's so far. You, um, so you, we had to go to... So, in that, like, obviously, you typically like a, like a direct flight, but in that scenario, it kind of was nice. Um, and I can't believe I got through that flight. I mean, I am so fidgety. and. But you made it. And now you're real. here to tell the story, right? It. So it's good. Absolutely. And I love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love your bucket list destination, that too, Egypt. Oh, my God. You are very well-versed in travel. So awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's so cool, too. Um, I mean, can we just cool. share with the audience, too, that David's, like, not even from here. Like, he's from 
yeah. Ireland, right? He's Originally. From Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, exactly. I know. So we're lucky in that we we go to Ireland once, if not twice a year, and we're gonna try to tack on like a European city uh, while we do that. So we were talking about going this spring and maybe like tacking on Paris for like a long weekend. Oh my god, I love it. And that's not far by flight, yeah, right? So. No, that's yeah. the thing. Like, and we're already out there, and so like you know they have. Ryan Air, which is like, you know, a rinky dink little like airplane and whatever. But it's it's fine because it's only a few hours and it's a, and you know it's like a hundred bucks. So right. um, that's the plan. We did it once so far. <laughs> New goal, um, and we went to London. So hopefully we, you know, we keep it up. I love it. You're so awesome, Allie. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Tell everybody how they can also, you know, once again, reach out to you and follow you on social media. Um, well, thank you again for having me. This is so fun. Um, so definitely reach out to me. Um, you can call my cell is great. 339-237-0783. On Instagram, I'm at Allie Duds, A-L-I-D-U-D-S. On um, Twitter and Facebook, I'm Allie the Agent. Um, and you can also follow me personally, which is just simple old Allie Joyce. Um, <laughs> but I certainly would love to hear from you, especially, you know, I'd love to know what people want to hear in my vlog series. Yeah, Allie's killing it on video now, guys. You got to catch up with Allie on video. <laughs> I am very proud watching from the sidelines, I just have to say. Oh, my God. Well, taking over, Allie. You're this, awesome. See, everyone needs a Jackie in their life. <laughs> that's love thanks Allie well you're amazing thank you again so much for coming on today everybody thank you so much for tuning in to next on scene and stay tuned for who's next on scene the ups the downs and all the in-between what it takes to become next on scene are you next follow us at next on scene